So if they had reported, oh, it was like a galloping horse, like then we would. It would have, be a totally know, different story. Un- <laughs> unidentified flying <laughs> horses. <laughs> Welcome to episode 49 of the Humanist Agenda podcast. My name is Kenny. I'm Sherry. And I'm Rory. And we're back again. And one out of three of us have the second dose. I'm actually so (laughs) mad at you about this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You found a way to rig the system so that you knew exactly when it was coming in and you got your extra shot. This is fake news. This this is fake news. Uh, it he is did it not rigged. <laughs> you make it sound like he had his binoculars out and he was, you know, scanning for the truck to be calling in. I think he was because you follow all of those, like when vaccines are coming in, so you know there's big shipments and stuff like that. Like you figured it out. Uh, so I'll, I'll be honest. I also knew exactly how many doses were coming into the city, <laughs> which was yeah. why I. Also, assumed they would be opening up a little early because London had like this massive amount of doses that were coming in like literally, literally a three-day time span. So, so I got to jump on it. <laughs> uh. I actually, I actually could have got it a little bit earlier because I actually um, had uh, some inside sources that told me <laughs> that there was this uh, Moderna um, uh, drive-through clinic. Uh, by Cargill, so I don't know if you heard this, but there's Mm-mm. there was this drive-through. It was mainly for um, uh, people in the area where you know in the Cargill area. That's basically where all the factories are, all the industrial you know workers might go to. But it's basically meant for people to just uh, you know after work they just drive through, get their dose, and then they can drive home to make things easier. <laughs> so I could have went. But I was too lazy to get into my car (laughs) and drive all the way to East London to get it. You know, I'm really surprised you didn't tell us about the fact that the uh, vaccines were going to be dropped early. Oh. Where was my early warning? (laughs) (laughs) I want to... I probably should have told everyone, but I feel like I just like, uh, people are going to think I'm a little crazy if I keep like pestering them on doses. He has a point. You just wanted a good spot to yourself. You didn't want to tell anyone about it. (laughs) Well, I got the good spot, but I feel like, you know, once everyone gets their first dose, you at least, you know, that, that solves the bigger issue Mm -hmm. of getting, you know, severe COVID and, uh, second dose is kind of, eh, <laughs> you'll get it when you get it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, also, I didn't really ready. want to seem too pestering. I feel like I've pestered enough people into <laughs> getting their first dose. I've I mean, already been branded the harasser, so. <laughs> the two of you together definitely peer pressured me toward the dosage, so I can definitely understand that. First-hand knowledge, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, now that second doses are open, what are you booked? <laughs> I'm booked. I've got uh, July 6th is my book date. Oh, wow. I'm excited. It was the first, I mean, it's the first date I can really actually go to get it anyway, because I'm busy up until then. So it's okay that you didn't tell me. Um, <laughs> but Rory, we're going to have to count 28 days. I don't remember when you last got yours. So we're going to have to count 28? 28 days. 
it's 28. I just thought it was a, 28. I thought it was a month is just what I had in mind. So I haven't even been 28 my, is a month. <laughs> my month yet. I know it was the beginning of June. Got my first dose. So I don't know. Maybe I'll look into it sometime in August. Maybe November. Rory, <laughs> Rory I, I, I can pester you. I, I'm willing to take on that role to pester you constantly. <laughs> I mean, all I have to say is Chris is coming for video games and you can join us virtually. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That is a pretty good incentive. <laughs> So get your vote. Get your yeah, Chris uh, second got done dose. too. Right quick. Yeah, Rory, do you get more time off to get your second one? I'm not sure. I'll have to ask uh, management whether I get uh, paid time off again. Do um, oh, what was I going to ask? No, it's gone. I totally forgot what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah, you should look into that. I'm glad that your company arranged for you to go and get it the first time with a few hours off. But I'm excited to get second dose, and I'm I'm glad that you are Kenny. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I didn't feel anything as well, so I'm I'm actually pretty happy. Like I have oh, really? no side effects. I had heard that the second dose was when you really do get the effects. That uh, mm-hmm. if you were spared the first time around, you'll feel it more the second time. So they claim. Yeah, yeah. That that's what I mean. The most of the studies, yeah, most of the studies show. Uh, second dose uh, tends to have significantly more side effects, but I have nothing um, other than my 5G signals. Excellent <laughs> now. So, um, yeah. it, it may also be because they put up a new 5G tower near me, but <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, it's excellent. My, my spe- Wi-Fi speeds are fantastic. Oh, good. Mine are still struggling. I need to get a better 5G signal out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you guys seen the um, people sticking coins and <laughs> yes. forks on their bodies? <laughs> what? I saw the one in the in the courtroom in the U.S. courtroom. I don't yeah. know if it was like the Senate or whatever it was, where people were yeah. testifying and saying, "Like, look, I can stick a key to myself," and then she tried to stick it to her neck and it didn't stick, and she oh, was and really it kept falling off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see the connection now. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get it at first. I'm like, what on <laughs> earth? What is? <laughs> yeah. Pe- the conspiracy theorists are uh, uh, focused on how the vaccines are turning people magnetic. <laughs> so they're sticking keys. and But in reality, you know, keys are sticking on people because they are sweaty. Yeah. It's <laughs> <And summer>. sticky. <laughs> you know what? If I actually had the opportunity to not lose my keys... I'd be kind of happy about that. Stick all the keys on me I want. Like, you know, I'm never going to have to lose yeah. them again. Exactly. I'm okay. Get me vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't enough to dissuade Sherry. She's still no. on board, even if it makes your keys <laughs> sticky. It, it's a positive. I need to, like, stop losing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I could pick up, like, so my sewing needles on the floor, I could just, like, run my hand along the floor and they would just I mean, pick up any needles I drop. You're basically going to be find Magneto. treasure in the backyard. Maybe just, I don't know, treasure roll around. <laughs> yes. I'll go to the beach and, like, just put my hand out and see what I can get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for it. Let's all be magnetic. Yeah. Don't steal yeah, my treasure, it's... though. 
it's one of those. It's so hard to. Uh, not hard, but it just seems so sad that there are so many uh, conspiracy theorists who just can't seem to understand that this is completely false. Like, uh, clearly, key getting a vaccine doesn't make you magnetic. I appreciate the creativity, though. I mean, they could just go, it'll make you sick and make you more prone to death in some way or another, get cancer or whatnot. But at least they went the they went all in both feet. You're going to be magnetic. Your keys are going to stick to you. I love that. I love the outland. Yeah. I mean, that's I feel like someone needs point, to start though. a rumor. Someone needs to start like some kind of rumor saying like, if you don't get the vaccine, you are going to turn into a liberal. You're going to turn into a communist, socialist, liberal. <laughs> if you don't get the vaccine, the vaccine is the only yes. thing that can protect you and keep you a republican (laughs) you know what if there's one thing that trump could have been good for is if he had to preach that sort of message to his faithful they would have had like a hundred percent republican vaccination Mm -hmm. every southern state yeah Mm -hmm. i mean you made a good point though that like it would have been better for them to say that it would make you sick because that's what people say about the flu shot is the flu shot makes you sick gives you the flu or whatever Mm -hmm. like that would that would actually, you know, it would kind of be like, oh, yeah, we could see maybe a connection there. But like all the things they've come up with, with like 5G and magnetism <laughs> and, you know, uh, those, I don't know, microchips or yep, whatever. Microchips. It's just so bizarre. I just can't make any sense of it. You can't draw the line. You can't connect the dot. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But there's so much conviction. They're so, so you know, so they're sure. so convinced. <laughs> yeah, so sure that we, the rest of us, are the crazy ones. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you get with conspiracy theorists is that conviction, right? Yeah. So speaking about conspiracy theories, <laughs> you know, um, UFOs, those exist, <laughs> right? <laughs> Did you guys hear that recently the U.S. has released documents on UFOs? Yes, I did. Did I also happen to peruse this report <laughs> that they released? So, did you? Uh, yes, this report was released by the uh, Office of the Director of National Intelligence. It's a preliminary assessment. Uh, they actually published it uh, June 25th, so that's two days ago for us. I will just summarize this preliminary report. Um, they had a executive summary that essentially stated, in a limited number of incidences, UAP, uh, which is uh, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, how do you say that word? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, folks. Reportedly appeared to exhibit unusual flight characteristics. These observations could be the result of sensor errors, spoofing, or observer misperception and require additional rigorous analysis. So basically, they did not conclude that UFOs exist. <laughs> yeah. The, this wasn't like a list of, hey, these are the ones that are authentic and. You know, the rest of them, it's all hokey. I did hear, I did hear that it was more Navy servicemen than aircraft uh, servicemen who were reporting as well, which seems kind of weird. You would think that the people in the air would have a better sort of uh, eyeline sight on these things versus somebody on the water. So it, it kind of draws into question a little bit, these sightings. Yeah. And... So in this report, um, they actually 
uh, identified, there were about you know 18 incidences that they weren't quite sure how to kind of categorize, categorize some of these uh, events. Uh, but generally, when they uh, looked at all the reports uh, from the Navy, uh, they were able to kind of group these occurrences into a few categories. One of them is airborne clutter, so objects like birds, balloons, uh, drones mm -hmm. uh, that might kind of interfere with their sensors, uh, kind of obviously kind of is then reported as a UFO. Uh, there's also natural atmospheric phenomenon, so natural atmospheric things like ice crystals, moisture, thermal fluctuations may uh, show up under radar systems. Uh, there, they, there's also another category called uh, industrial de development programs, so some of the observations may be classified, whatever, mm -hmm. classified vehicles uh, as part of the U.S. programs, but they can't confirm or deny <laughs> that. I mean, that um, makes sense. I remember reading yeah. about one, uh, a sighting near California that there was even a few YouTubers saw and were part of the mob that uh, mm -hmm. was interested in it. But what it ended up being was actually a, uh, a test missile that the Navy was firing. They were just seeing that and it, it looked weird because of the reflections of light and I guess rocket plumes when you're up above her makes uh makes a weird signature in the air and yeah. it appears. But like also visually uh, unusual as well. I, I don't know if you've ever seen, there was this uh, viral video where SpaceX launched a rocket uh, from California. Uh, it was during uh, sunset. So the sun had already gone down, <laughs> so it was dark. But as the rocket climbs higher and higher, it reaches sunlight, right? Because the Earth is round and... <laughs> Uh, as it's going higher and higher, it's going to eventually hit sunlight. So it was as it was climbing, its rocket plume started to literally glow, and mm -hmm. it just looked like amazing because it was expanding so wide. And like there were car crashes because people were just they didn't know what they were just looking at, awe. and people yeah. were yeah, people were like crashing into other cars just because they weren't watching the roads. And it's just it's just a rocket. But people are just mesmerized by yeah. you know, anything unusual. Yeah, that's the thing. It's so unlike any of our day-to-day -day experiences, you know, looking at objects on Earth that mm -hmm. it tricks us into ind indulging some of those fantastical notions of what it yeah. could be. And what made it worse was uh, SpaceX, their rockets always come back to Earth and land. So uh, as it was high up in the atmosphere... It was spinning around and turning around and coming back down. And people, I mean, you know, people think, oh, that's unusual behavior. It's mm -hmm. going up and it's turning around. And Yeah, one of my sources said uh, that this is even more pronounced at twilight as well. Look like mm -hmm. shooting fire, but it's really just a plume showing some solar backlight. Exactly. So, and then let me finish the categories. The other category is uh, foreign adversary systems. So this is, again, potential drones or technologies mm. being developed by China, Russia, or other uh, nations. Uh, and then they have a other category, which is this basically a collection of stuff that they can't really classify or they don't know how to really explain it. So those are essentially kind of the current explanations for some of these uh, UFOs that the government 
has uh, been recording, primarily <laughs> from the Navy, uh, as Sherry, you mentioned. But it, it, I think it does bring into question as to we have about 10,000 planes in the air at any given time. Why is it that really the, the Navy are the only ones that see this and the only ones that record have a grainy footage of uh, these UFOs? And I mean, a lot of times when uh, the sky and the ocean meet together, there's a lot of like optical illusions that occur. So um, there, there's a kind of a illusion where um, sometimes at a distance for a boat, if the boat is just far enough and the temperature difference is high enough between the water and the air, um, it actually bends the light coming from that boat. So it sometimes makes the boat look like it's actually floating in the air <laughs> versus like in the water. Um, so there's a lot of like weird optical illusions that can happen uh, once you like look further out into the distance. Yeah, I read about uh, another interesting optical illusion regarding with uh, this time space shuttle footage that I guess some UFO enthusiasts are willing to cite as proof. Um, sometimes NASA space shuttles, they have backward-facing cameras and they pick up uh, white dots here to dance around in front of the camera, which you know seems unexplainable until you, know, you come ask an astronaut about it. And apparently what this is, is uh, when the space shuttle is, you know, hurtling around 17,500 miles per hour, little pieces of ice and little pieces of insulation for the spacecraft are actually peeling off. And they only like flicker through the camera for a split second because they're going so fast, but it looks like a little dancing white dot. I don't know. Could be aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Or the aliens. (laughs) <laughs> they're just dancing in front of the camera <laughs> well they do have technology that we don't know or understand so <laughs> so i guess i'll just uh add the piece that the the debris that i was just mentioning the, the flakes that come off of the the shuttle it's actually called space dandruff according to this astronaut named oberg which i thought was a really cute term for it also applicable i i can picture it it's something that you can see i like that name yeah, but it, it makes me wonder, you know, what? why do people kind of believe in uh, UFOs, that we are being visited by aliens? You know, it, as someone who uh, is a space enthusiast, I think there's a realization that space is really big. And I'm not sure why aliens would even want to come to see Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Earth we're so such an insignificant part of the universe. Um, and even when you think about the the methods it would take to like visit other planets, I mean, for us, our nearest star is over four light years away, which is um, about uh, forty trillion kilometers away. Meaning, our fastest spacecraft right now, which is Voyager One, would still take seventy three thousand years to reach our nearest star. So. Um, I mean, the distances are so huge, and I, I just don't understand why any aliens would even come visit Earth in the first place. <laughs> so uh, the probability that uh, aliens are flying around in, to visit Earth 
to only show up on Navy uh, aircraft sensors and cameras as specs and then dis- disappear with no evidence where we have a population of, what, 7 billion people. We upload billions of fo- like high-resolution photographs into our internet. Google Earth or Google Maps is recording the Earth every single day, and yet no one <laughs> has been able to get a high-resolution image of <laughs> an alien spacecraft. It just seems so improbable. So, am I crazy? <laughs> do you so do either of you though believe that there could be intelligent life somewhere in the universe, the galaxy, whatever the bigger one is? Mm-hmm. Absolutely there I, could be. I think it's possible. I mean, when you look at how many stars are in our galaxy and how many galaxies are potentially out there and the fact that uh, what we can see right now in the night sky is just the visible universe. Mm-hmm. Like the universe is so big that you can't actually see all of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> so you can, yeah. Just... So I, I would say probability wise, there probably is another intelligent life, but is it, I think the question is, is it nearby and are they actually Ooh. visiting us? That's probably a much lower probability. Definitely. Like, the universe is so unfathomably huge that the number of Earth-like planets out there is probably beyond counting. And so the odds of there being life somewhere, even carbon-based life like us, is really high. Like, it ha- it will happen. But in terms of... So, uh, actually, uh, with, now that you mentioned kind of the probability of, like, Earth-like planets, actually, th- there was um, a study that was published uh, fairly recently, uh, June 23rd, mm-hmm. um, from the Royal Astronomical Society. And they actually uh, looked at how many potential Earth-like biospheres on other planets that might exist. Um, and it's actually uh, crazy rare, <laughs> like really, really rare, because uh, when they looked at all the potential stars out there, the majority of the stars are red dwarfs, mm-hmm. which actually don't produce enough light to have photosynthetic life. Uh, and then the other set of stars are too hot, which die out before photo, uh, synth- photosynthetic life could probably form if we if they follow the same trajectory as Earth. So actually, the probability of like any type of planet that has photosynthetic life like ours is actually crazy, crazy, crazy rare. Like just given the the type of stars that are out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, fair enough. Now I uh, I need to rethink my assessment, but I'm going to stick by the the but, but let's, fastness let's, let's, of the universe and the observable. Yeah, that, that's Earth. That's Earth like life right yeah i mean maybe maybe there's other life that we don't really understand or know about that isn't based on you know our carbon-based photosynthetic life and things like that sure but is our our one biosphere earth is that truly the one in two million trillion planets that could have possibly happened are we that rare that kind of feels I don't know, self-important, self-indulgent a little <laughs> bit, that we really are the chosen planet, that uh, the only one that could spawn life in, you know, not just the observable universe, but all the universe that we can't see. 
Yeah, I think there's two things. I think it's it's um, are we the only ones that have life? I would say probably not. Um, there's other even on Earth. There's other life uh, that isn't dependent on the sun, for example, right? And it's more chemi- uh, chemical energy based. Um, so there's other types of life that might occur. Um, but I think uh, the study here was really looking focused on kind of photosynthetic type of life mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that that's similar to earth and if it's if you were trying to find a planet that was like earth that had photosynthetic life that is actually really rare because of the type of stars that are out there in our observable uh, galaxy at least rare and you know selfishly considered rather unfortunate if we intended to be an interplanetary species that we don't have another earth-like planet anywhere that we can see it might be a good thing it probably means that we won't want to invade them and they won't (laughs) want to invade us so yeah yeah are we necessarily so warlike i mean i don't I find it interesting because I, I asked my wife if she believed because she likes to watch all those alien movies uh, because they freak her out and or like or like TV shows that talk about people's encounters with aliens and stuff like that and because they freak her out. But uh, she said she thinks that there is probably life out there, but it not life that would come to Earth or has come to Earth. So I think maybe that's the general consensus among us. Yeah. So it's not life that's running reconnaissance missions in terms of light flickers through the night sky? No. (laughs) And I think you make a good point, Kenny, about, like, we have so many satellites and so much surveillance of Earth that, like, how could we possibly be missing all of this? And then the Navy people are seeing it. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't... Hey, first of all, the, the U.S. spy agency and also the Russian spy agency are really good at spying at, on other nations and p- seeing, like, the smallest detail uh, uh, through, you know, satellite surveillance. And we haven't been able to find these UFOs <laughs> that are showing up and, I don't know, um, landing and, I don't know, doing tests on people. <laughs> or the know. conspiracy is that we do know about it, but only the government officials know about it. And I think that if the government officials knew about it, then Donald Trump would have told us in the last four years. <laughs> exactly. There, uh, I mean, the government is like the leakiest part of <laughs> uh, society. I mean, how many leaks have we gotten because of Donald Trump's administration. Yeah, and not just that. They couldn't keep Watergate under wraps. They couldn't keep Monica Lewinsky under wraps. It's not like government is airtight. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No. So I guess our question then is, why do people believe in aliens? Uh, or that aliens have visited them, or that aliens have come to Earth? I guess more so that than than aliens sort of in, in the general universe. Um so I did some research on that, and I looked at an article by by the BBC Science Focus magazine, and so it sort of gave me a good rundown. But there was a study done uh, at North Dakota State University, uh, and they titled it We Are Not Alone, which I think was a really great title. <laughs> I think that's, like, I, if I were a researcher, I would be, like, constantly searching for the best article titles, and I think that was a good one. But... 
You would be surprised to know that it found that people who believe in aliens are less likely to believe in religion. Mm. So more like atheist type people believe in aliens, um, which I found interesting. Why do you think, why do you think that might be? If I had to guess, I would say that the person formulating this hypothesis is speculating that aliens are becoming a substitute to explain the unexplainable in much the same way that God and religion explains the unexplainable. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I think because, like, you know, atheists sort of look more to science than anything, and we can sort of look to a little bit of science uh, based on alien life. And essentially that's what they said was, you know, um, religion is providing that uh, guidance in life where you think like, oh, this God has some sort of control over my life versus when you leave that, it's uh, we start looking elsewhere uh, for answers. And uh, so some people look to to aliens or UFOs. (laughs) There was also some research at uh, the University of Freiburg. I don't know if I said that correctly. Uh, but they found that those who believe in a higher purpose, the literal truth of the Bible, and divine creation were also more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. So those conspiracy theories included aliens, which I don't think we're surprised at that either. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also people who are more educated are more likely to reject the conspiracy theories. So education helps, I guess, combat conspiracy theories. Uh, but disadvantaged groups are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. And I think that makes a lot of sense. What do you so I think feel? Of- Sorry, Sherry. Um, there was a 1970s study that, uh, that suggested something that I, I wanted to get your thoughts on. It's a hypothesis that... Uh, believing or UFO reporting is a symptom of perceived status deprivation, frustration, and alienation, like a symptom of personal frustrations, happiness. Do you think that's really what's going on here? I mean, when you're feeling isolated and frustrated, and I think that we kind I don't know, I think that a lot of people do look for answers that are beyond science that are more mystical and things like that so whether that's god or ufos or whatever i think that what 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 type of answers do you think like the belief of ufos present Mm. i i've maybe heard maybe some people believing um uh that for example because of their mistrust in the government, they believe the government's hiding mm-hmm. facts and hiding the existence of UFOs. But that's, again, more representation of their mistrust of governments. I think maybe the hope that there is, um, you know, something better out there, a better world for us to live in, mm-hmm. either like environmentally or just like more technology or whatever. I think that might be a hope that people are looking for. I agree, Sherry. I think that that's... Definitely a part of it is people perceive that if there is a species of extraterrestrial beings out there that are capable of stellar travel and coming to visit us, then their technology must be so incomprehensibly advanced that they could potentially be the source of all kinds of wonders that we have no idea how else to explain or, you know, I I don't know, the cause of certain phenomenon. Yeah. 
So I think it brings that little bit of hope, I guess. I don't know. I don't really believe in aliens to answer my questions, so I can't tell you exactly why. <laughs> but that's my guess. I think so. Um, but there was a, a poll in January of 2020, an Ipsos, Ipsos poll uh, in the U.S. that found that almost one in two Americans think that UFOs exist and have already visited Earth. Oh, wow. It's a lot of people. That I think there's a lot, lot of conspiracy of theorists, though, in America. So I don't know, like, if this would be as applicable outside of America, but it is a lot of the American population. It's a lot of people willing to believe. Agent Mulder would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> Lots has changed since the 90s. <laughs> more people are maybe a bit more desperate. <laughs> feeling a little more frustrated and isolated out of this pandemic. Who knows even if even more people will have come out of the pandemic believing in aliens. I um, don't know. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah. But I think it's, I think it's interesting that uh, because this government report, like the, at least the government is being a little bit more open with how they're investigating these events. Versus trying to just call everyone crazy, mm-hmm. even though maybe they are crazy. But <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the government is trying to like placate them, like, you're not crazy. We will look totally, totally look into this and <laughs> I think that's, entertain your hypothesis. <laughs> I think that's the right approach because there are, you know, unusual sensory images out there that people aren't sure how to categorize. And so instead of, you know, just laughing at somebody for having an outlandish actually teaching them the the real source of what they saw and experienced it's the better way to go but the problem with conspiracy theorists is they will never believe what the government says like no matter how many government explanations that they provide uh no matter even if you explain the physics of you know how these sensors these uh, sensors in low light will always have some kind of like uh, electronic noise mm-hmm. associated with the data. Um, like I, I notice because uh, when I do my photography, if I do anything in low light, like it's so difficult <laughs> to get a clean image without any artifacts. And it, for these Navy planes, if it's anything like in the dark or low light situations, during dusk or dawn. I mean, it's the worst. Like, every, all your sensors are going to have, like, weird and funky data. Mm-hmm. I think you make a good point about these conspiracy theorists sort of not listening to reason, though. Because um, that's something that's something else that I was looking into uh, because it also kind of mentioned that um, there were some studies on conspiracy theories and vaccines about how if you give people factual information before... Um, uh, about vaccinations. Um, It means that they're going to be more likely to get a vaccine versus if they experience conspiracy theories first and then second factual information. So if if they experience factual information first and then conspiracy theories, they're more likely to not believe the conspiracy theory. But if they experience that conspiracy theory first, then they are more likely to believe that conspiracy theory. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting the way kind of our brains process things of, you know, we take that first information that we received, 
and I think that's kind of how it is with aliens as well. Like we've had, you know, if we think back to the beginning of, you know, when we first knew about or had reports about aliens, um, I don't know when that was exactly, but we think back to, typically we think back to like Roswell, which happened just after World War II. Um, and so people were feeling a little bit, um, you know, they were having a lot of difficulties. They were just coming out of a time of a lot of difficulties. And then this um, weather balloon crash landed in Roswell. Um, and, um, you know, I guess the the Roswell newspaper, the Daily Record, uh, reported the headline um, that the government captured a flying saucer on a ranch in Roswell. And that kind of sparked this idea before the government could ever say, oh, it was just a weather balloon. Because it took until 1994. So this happened in 1947 that it happened. And then 1994 is when the uh, government really, you know, gave some confirmation that this was just a weather balloon, part of a military project that they were doing that had more classified information. So because there is this lack of dissemination of, of correct factual information, you get all that, a lot of these conspiracies that start to fire up, right? Yeah. But it also didn't help that there were a lot of hoaxsters who um, created these videos of alien autopsies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, and this was this was popular. Like they create this sensation where, oh, we have a leak footage of this alien autopsies. I don't know if you guys have seen it before, but I mean, it's on the internet. But basically, I mean, then a few years after that, the person that uh, provided the footage admitted that it was a hoax. He basically took uh, offcuts from a local butcher, some outdated medical equipment, and filmed it. <laughs> Uh, to create this hoax video, <laughs> and, but everyone believed it. Everyone believed, oh, someone like some true patriot leaked the <laughs> the footage of this alien autopsy. Did they Anything still believe the it? Likes. Did some of them still continue believing after receiving the proof? Though is the problem. Did that first impression of this is a real, authentic autopsy just stick with them, even when the the person who created the video is like, no, nah, this is what I did. I'm a hoaxer. Yeah. The footage even looks fake, but I'm, pr- <laughs> I'm pretty sure people still believe that. <laughs> and, and even still, like maybe they didn't get that information that he said it was a, a hoax or a prank yeah. or whatever. So maybe they just saw the video and that was it. So it's all about how much information you get as well. Mm-hmm. And from my, from my research, a lot of it talked about how we have this top down processing of, our beliefs and expectations are going to shape our perceptions. So sort of believing in aliens is going to, even though this Mm -hmm. video looked like it was, you know, really badly produced and not an actual alien autopsy, uh, you know, if you have those beliefs that it is an alien, then that's what you're going to see in the video, right? Versus somebody who maybe doesn't believe in aliens is going to actually see you know, a cow's liver or whatever there is yeah. there, right? That reminds me of uh, of another hypothesis that I came across, which is that uh, UFO reporters had a strong confirmation expectation, and that led them to do less reality testing. So the way they describe it is they have a fantasy proneness. They have a propensity to have unusual sensory experiences. They have those experiences that they believe to be paranormal 
telepathy, clairvoyance. And so they, what this study was also doing is trying to, again, profile the people. So it said the same type of people have a tendency to be more hypnotizable and they have a, uh, some sort of lability in the temporal lobe activity. So they're trying to, and I, I don't really like this, that they're trying to categorize them as a people apart. And I think that those kind of studies really saw their heyday pre-1990s, that a lot more willingness to divide and say, you're abnormal, you're different, and that's why you're seeing these things. And I, I'm not a big fan of that type of hypothesizing. I prefer to look at it more as people are seeing something they don't know how to explain. They're just doing their best to work through it. Mm-hmm. Cause that's kind of like our brains just want to, like we want to make sense of something, um, you know, whether it's like visually we see things like our, you know, our brains control a lot of that perception. And um, yeah, I understand what you mean. I did read about a study that was similar to the one you, you read about, uh, in 2002, there was a study by Susan Clancy, and it compared three different groups, one with conscious memories of an abduction by aliens, uh, a second who believed they'd been abducted but couldn't remember it, um, mm. and a third who had you know no claims about abductions. And so it found that the group that had conscious memories of abductions were susceptible to false memories. So being able to implant information and then they think they remember it. But people who didn't believe they'd been abducted were the least susceptible to those false memories. Um, in terms of interesting. In terms of the people who, you know, claim to have actually had that more intense experience, like they were abducted and they interacted with, with alien beings in some way. Did you find like uh, that the study noted that it had a lot to do with times when they were falling asleep and possible instances of sleep paralysis. I can't remember the, about that specific study, but I did sort of hear an explanation about why people might believe they were abducted is because of sleep paralysis, because you can get hallucinations during sleep paralysis. So mm-hmm. um, it feels real to you. Um and and you can't like you can't physically move, which is sleep paralysis. So you kind of wake up in your body, just can't physically move. You're paralyzed, and then have these hallucinations. Yeah, yeah. I had a quote about that too from a Hufford study. It said the paralysis is accompanied by the sensation of a weight pressing on the chest, and frequently is also accompanied by vivid and frightening hallucinations of a person, animal, or monster. The contents of the hallucinations appear to vary as a function of the sleeper's beliefs and expectations, and in individuals who already believe in extraterrestrial visitation, the hallucinations may take the form of space aliens. Because mm-hmm. they've already seen it, right? Like in the media, I mean, the, all the alien abduction movies and TVs have already, they've already witnessed it, and it's uh, yeah. in their minds when they experience something that similar to what they have seen in Hollywood, for example. Yeah, and it, it's got to be terrifying and confusing to experience sleep paralysis. And you're confused and you're disoriented because you're just coming in and out of being asleep. So, you know, some dream content has worked its way in there. I can understand why that would you know, warp somebody's perception of what actually is happening to them. 
And that was another point I wanted to make about the media attention to UFOs and things like that. Like I, like I kind of briefly talked about earlier about that, um, the Roswell Daily Record headline that kind of sensationalized that event. Um, but I wanted to actually, something interesting I found out about, uh, the term flying saucer, where it originated. So it was actually, yeah, it's interesting. Okay. So it actually originated a few weeks before the Roswell incident. And there was a businessman and a pilot named Kenneth Arnold, um, a bad Kenny. And he (laughs) reported, um, (laughs) an unusual craft moving at speeds far greater than any available technology. And the way he described it moving was like a saucer skipping across water. Um, he didn't say it looked like a saucer, um, but when the media reported on it, um, they reported because it sounded good. They were like, oh, it's like a flying saucer. And so that's where the term came up. And then people started reporting flying saucers (laughs) in the sky and actually seeing like what they thought was a looking like a saucer. Um, Oh, that is fascinating. (laughs) So it was all about the movement at first. It wasn't actually about the Mm -hmm. appearance of a saucer. Mm -hmm. And so then, so it's again, that idea of that top down processing of you see something you can't explain in the sky, your brain tries to make sense of it and maybe sees something that's not actually uh, there. And, uh, you know, you think you've seen a flying, flying saucer. (laughs) So if they had reported, oh, it was like a galloping horse, like then we would, it'd be a totally different story. Unidentified (laughs) flying horses. (laughs) Or spaghetti, maybe. (laughs) Unidentified flying spaghetti. (laughs) If only. (laughs) I just thought it was interesting that like, the media has shaped all of our consciousness around UFOs to the point where people think that they see something because the media has framed it in a certain way. Yeah, and what they see starts to conform to what the media presented them with. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah, I got a little look there from you, Kenny, when I said it was the bad Kenny. Huh? <laughs> it was your evil twin. <laughs> I noticed that too. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I have a, a quick counter theory that because uh, you reported earlier, Sherry, the, the study that was talking about how atheists are or the believe in aliens is like an alternative to religion. Uh, this one says that uh, perhaps UFO subjects are relatively more content and anxiety free. That's not how we typically think of people who see UFOs. We think of them as, you know, really pent up and stressed, but more content and anxiety-free than others because their UFO beliefs provide them with meaning and a sense of security. So yeah, kind of the same thing, actually, as your uh, religion thing. Somehow it's a security blanket. And this is reported by several different researchers. Uh, Guren, Festinger, Riken, Shatter, you know, dating back centuries, not centuries, decades of different studies that have found that they tend to be less anxiety-ridden than other people. So I guess it's not scary that aliens are out there. It's comforting in some way. I guess if you have an answer, like, that's all you really want is, like, an answer to something. Like, yeah, especially if you have experienced that sleep paralysis and the hallucinations, to be like, I don't know what I saw and trying to, like, understand it versus, you know, having that belief that it was aliens, it might make you less 
anxious because you know the answer versus like not knowing the answer. Yeah, it's a, it's difficult for people to be comfortable with not knowing or not having an explanation, mm-hmm. right? If they see something or experience something that's they can't explain, that that's not a very comfortable position for people. For sure, that's kind and of I, the same with religion too, eh? Like, like people are less likely to be atheist if they're they're uncomfortable with the explanation of "there's nothing else out there," mm-hmm. or you know, we can't explain this, but it's probably science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, you, if we can't explain what comes after death, what happens after death, right? And people mm-hmm. need that comfort of a destination, mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe. I'm going to put on my foil hat for a second. Maybe space aliens are also concerned with guiding the destiny. Wouldn't that yeah, be a maybe. comforting notion that they're not in it to hurt us? They're here to help us go along the correct paths to get to the paragon state that they have reached already. That goes against all movies I've seen, Rory. I <laughs> fail to believe that one. It, and it still goes back to my point of why would they care about us and we are literally <laughs> insignificant i know <laughs> i know are, i'm just i'm we are a tiny speck in the entire universe <laughs> i'm still trying to wrap my head around why it's a comforting notion to believe that aliens are out there what it's giving to people and what they're feeling good about when they come away with a belief in ufos yeah, it's tough. I would probably be afraid if I believed in ufos i'd be like oh they're gonna come and kill me in my yeah. sleep i don't want Kinda... this <laughs> Kind of the same way that I'm terrified of the thought of a divine being out there who's playing with ants in a bowl like we're completely insignificant nothings to him or her or whatever it might be. (laughs) Clearly it's an it. The flying spaghetti monster is an it. It's totally genderless unless you count the noodles (laughs) as some kind of genitalia. (laughs) They, them pronouns. Or the two meatballs. (laughs) It's they, them pronouns. The flying spaghetti monster is not male. We are not counting those meatballs. <laughs> I hadn't even factored in the meatballs, but <laughs> well, the meatballs could be two other things. <laughs> so, do you have a favorite UFO movie? Oh, you know I like what? Alien. I like the classic Alien. Sigourney Weaver. The alien comes alien out of... Alien or Aliens? Ooh. I can't remember which one it is. The one where the alien comes out of Sigourney Weaver's stomach. That one is the best one. Out of her stomach? Or no, hold on. It comes out of somebody's stomach, doesn't it? comes out of William Hurt's and, stomach and, in the first one. Oh. It comes out of everyone's stomach <laughs> you know, in it, all been, four movies. Oh, it's been so long since I've seen it. I have no idea okay. anymore, but it was really I, good. I think you're referencing the first one. Interesting okay. uh, fun fact about that scene where the first alien chest popper happens. They didn't tell most of the cast that that was going to happen. So the fear and the surprise that all the, the actors are showing is actually authentic because they had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Some quality 1970s filmmaking right there. <laughs> what about you, Kenny? Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I... I... I'm going to pick Arrival, just because it's like the anti-alien, anti-UFO movie that we typically see in was that, Hollywood. That was the sign it's, language one, right? Where That was the language yeah, one. Yeah, they were trying yeah. to learn how so, to communicate. That was good. Exactly. So it's, it's a UFO alien movie, not 
focus on UFOs and aliens. It's focused on language and how you communicate and contrasting, you know, learning how to communicate to aliens versus having to communicate here on Earth with different nations. And uh, I've actually there's a very, very good contrast. Just changed my mind. <laughs> I, I remembered. I'm, I was trying to think of like what alien movies do I like and love. Men in Black is, I think, now number one. <laughs> I've changed my mind. I love Men in Black. That was such a good one. Living in harmony with aliens and trying to like keep the general population from knowing. That was fun. Men in Black is number one. And then uh, there was another one. Oh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was it still Will Smith that was involved. Oh, Independence Day. Independence Day. That was a good one. Yeah, I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting to see if somebody brought up Independence Day. <laughs> Which is the complete opposite of Harmony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I like those two. Those two are my favorite. The Harmony and the Not-So-Harmony. Yeah. Uh, I Rory, think you're, what you got for us? I think you're a traitor for abandoning the Aliens franchise, so I'm going to go with the sequel. I'm going to say Aliens, the James Cameron. Yes. Game over, man. Game over. That's the best. <laughs> yeah. To to be uh, yeah, I also loved Aliens, <laughs> uh, the James Cameron movie. Uh, but my favorite line there's, uh, uh, "We need to nuke them from orbit," just to be sure. <laughs> because I use that all the time now. Because any any time there's you know whatever, just to be sure, Conser- con- conservatives going crazy, and uh, it's like oh god. Need to nuke them from orbit. Just nuke them from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. What a Donald Trump sort of uh, ideology there. Like, we're going to nuke the hurricane to make it stop going. I don't like to be too serious with my alien movies. Like, I I liked Arrival. I enjoyed it. But it's not as fun as Aliens. Mm. But it was so good. I'm sick. It's, it's, it's more of a emotional movie. <laughs> Men in Black's pretty fun too. I'll give you that, Sherry. I'm sticking with Men in Black one and two. I like them both. They were good. They were oh, you like number two? I number did. two was very divisive. Mm. It wasn't as good as number one, but it was still good. I don't know. It's just fun. It's fun. It's not anything yeah. serious. Like you're not watching that movie for like a serious alien movie. Yeah, it fell into a trap for me that a lot of sequels fall into, and in that they had to up the stakes so high mm. above what the original was that I kind of checked out and wasn't with it anymore. I love the idea of the first, where it's just some random crappy bug species that landed and he's causing trouble. That's it. That's the whole thread <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. that's. But a the point. the good scene about the Men in Black movies when at the end when the we are just a tiny part of multiple universes yes. and galaxies. <laughs> Wonderful framing with the aliens playing marbles with us. I enjoyed that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, showing that we are completely insignificant. <laughs> well, I'm still not convinced. So. <laughs> Don't you want I, to believe, I, Kenny? I've got so I many alien say, hashtags. I want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm too skeptical, so I I I, I don't know. I, I can't will myself to believe that aliens have either visited us or is even remotely interested in us. So, from my perspective, I think everything that's been reported, probably some 
logical explanation. Some trick of <laughs> that the lights. does not involve aliens. Some sensory yeah. misperception. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm a little more scully than Mulder. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. I, I can't argue with you two because I am also on the side of probably not. Not in the form that we think. But, you know, in reality, I mean, if, if there was life elsewhere, there are many places in our solar system where there could be life. So one area is uh, the moon of Jupiter, Europa, Ooh. where we're actually sending a probe there in 2030 to mm. investigate whether there's life in Europa's oceans. So I saw a video, uh, I think it was National Geographic the other day, about they're trying to work out how to bring back uh, soil samples from Mars to see if they ever had mm-hmm. life, like in the what they assume is a former yeah. lake bed. It's, it's in the works. Like our current rover right now, it has um, drills to drill for samples. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's really strange. They're drilling for samples, put encasing them in containers, and they plan on pooping these containers onto the ground <laughs> and for a future mission to come and collect <laughs> the, the samples. So Just like I pick up my dog poop. <laughs> Time to exactly. send a rover to get that, that well, robot poop. The, the, the rover, rover's just collecting and pooping and <laughs> someone else is going to go pick it this up. This dog poop collection is going to be the most advanced engineering feat that I have ever heard of. If they find a way to extract those poop samples... <laughs> Launch them back onto a space shuttle and get it back to Earth, I will be very impressed. So, I want to believe, but I don't. So, (laughs) that's my conclusion. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you. Okay, so, thanks for listening, and, well, on to the next episode. (laughs) To infinity and beyond. Till next time, everyone. Okay, see ya. Bye. Bye. It was a gnat. Don't worry about that at all. A gnat from my bananas made its way over to me. Are, are, are you clapping at me? What, no, what, no, what's going on? I, I, I was attempting to murder the gnat. <laughs> Sorry, Kenny. <laughs>